Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I think we know that you know that that investment wouldn't just be happening you know out of the goodness of their hearts. It would certainly be something that would make me consider my status as a as a Spurs fan. Hello everyone and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly and I'm joined once again by The Athletic's James Moore and Tim Spears. Now Harry Kane's winner against Portsmouth in the third round of the FA Cup edged in within just one goal of Jimmy Greaves' long-standing goal-scoring record. But on this episode, our focus is on you, the listener, as we field your questions. The trouble with throwing out um, what do you want to talk about is we get too many subjects. We'll get through as many as we can. Uh, morning, James. Uh, good morning, Tim. How you doing, Danny? Very, very good indeed. Thank you. Um, and the first question is actually aimed very directly at me, but uh, Harry Kane uh, has now scored uh, 265 goals for Spurs, uh, one behind that all-time record set by the, le- by the legendary Jimmy Greaves. Um, he could break it, of course, by scoring twice against Arsenal, which I know is James's fantasy scenario. Um, a question from me from a listener uh, called Chris Clark, who says, um, did you ever imagine that Greaves' goal-scoring record would be broken? And if so, who would you have high hopes for previously to have broken it? Well, the answer, Chris, of course, is I saw the latter two seasons of Jimmy Greaves' time at Spurs. I was too young to go prior to that. Um, and he was he was instantly a hero because he scored in virtually every home game, it seemed to me. And when I became, you know, m- more of an adult and realised that he had scored 260-odd goals for Spurs... It never occurred to me. It has never occurred to me that anybody would break that record. I mean, think about it just as, as pure O-level maths or whatever, GCSE maths. Somebody has to score more than 25 goals a season for 10 years to break the record. So that isn't going to happen, is it? And yet, as always in life, the thing that you think can't happen is the very thing that does happen. And Harry Kane, a striker who was loaned out to other clubs, who I remember castigating Pochettino for not picking him ahead of Emmanuel Adebayor uh, has come in and in less than, you know, in it's less than 10 years, has broken the record. The only other person who ever scored at that kind of rate for Spurs, obviously Clive Allen had his one season where he got 49, but immediately following Greaves' era, um, Martin Chivers, a centre-forward Spurs, bought a great expense um, from Southampton, had two seasons where he was the best striker in Europe um, and was scoring sort of 30 a season. But you can't keep it's it's this consistency of keeping it up year after year after year after year. And what I would add to that, and nothing will ever take away one percent of my love of Jimmy Greaves, is that Jimmy wasn't contributing as much to the team as Harry Kane has done. He was in a better Spurs team by and large, and he wasn't one for working his way into making chances for others. He was there to get the goals. And Kane has been a revelation. He's got better each season. It's just extraordinary to me. I was just about to ask you to compare the teams that Greaves and Kane played in because obviously Greaves joined Spurs as champions. He didn't win the league with Spurs, but he joined them when they had, were champions. And they were a decent side. He must have won a couple of cup 
or maybe only one. Was it one FA Cup or two? No, he must have won FA Cup in 62 and 67. Yeah, right? 62, 67, and the Cup Winners' Cup um, against Atletico Madrid oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, in 63, I'm thinking. I feel him 63. First, first yeah. British team to win a European trophy. Absolutely, and then later on, it became the first British team to win two different European trophies, and I was disappointed in the Champions Who did they beat in that? Uh... Atletico Madrid. No, no, sorry, in the UEFA, in the UEFA Cup final, who did they beat? Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, yeah. Oh, Fair. yeah, that's right. I was there for both oh, legs, yeah. actually, Tim. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in in what gets in the in the black country, I suppose I'd call it, and at, at White Hart Lane. Um, Wolves, I mean, let's not go. I mean, nuts, really. Wolves had that was not what UEFA had in mind when they set up that that trophy. That the final between Spurs and Wolves. Also, I don't think it's what either club had in mind, really. When you know you get to the final. Oh. No, so, so something more glamorous was was possibly required. Um, I'm trying to think who, who spurred, did Spurs beat AC Milan in a semi final. Steve Perryman scored his only European goal in a in a, in a, that game against um against AC Milan. But yeah, they, they beat Wolves in the final. Tim, you, you probably know that. Danny, what? Why did um? I watched a documentary on this a couple of years ago, but I can't remember the answer now. Why? Why did? Why did Jimmy leave Spurs in what was it, 1970? Yeah, um, as I say, everyone knows this story, Tim. You may have missed it. I was so devoted to Jimmy Grease as a, an early teenager um, that, that when he got transferred, the news broke while I was in bed. My father, who would who was obsessed with education, who would never have woken me up on a school night, came upstairs very gently, woke me up to break the news to me that Grease had left Spurs. He feared I would hear it at school. Um, and have a fainting fit or something. He left because um, I think after his, by his own admission, people often talk about Jimmy's um, problems with drink, but after he, uh, he had a, an attack of lumbago, I mean, a disease that seems to have gone out of business now, doesn't it? You never hear about it. Um, an inflammation of the lower back that can be quite debilitating. And after his bout of lumbago, Jimmy himself admits he was never quite the same player. And they, they you know, Spurs had an opportunity to. To get Martin Peters into the into the club, who'd won the World Cup and went on to be a great player for Spurs, and I just think it wasn't the same drama with big players moving clubs those days as there is now. And I think a new contract for Jimmy, another club, while they Spurs managed to, you know, gently get rid of a player whose fitness was starting to become an issue. Um, meant that it was probably a good deal all round. I mean, certainly not as mysterious as why they let Pat Jennings go to Arsenal, put it that way. Briefly on this, um, you know, when you get on in years, you you think that, you know, we all old people always get accused of being living in the past and nostalgists. I can't wait for Kane to break Jimmy Greaves' record. It doesn't One thing doesn't detract from the other. Jimmy Greaves was a genius. Kane is, I'll say it, a genius. It's lovely that they're both they're both scoring all these goals. Why can't we enjoy both, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I don't employ that issue, that argument for Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Lionel Messi. Let's just enjoy Lionel Messi while we can, yeah? Um, we, we, people will ask what we thought about the game against Portsmouth. I'll tell you what I thought about it. I thought that Portsmouth played really well um, for a team that just sacked their manager. Um, big mate, the oars, of course, uh, the Cowley brothers, James. Spurs were okay. They, 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 they did, what, you did what a Premier League team ought to do. They penned... Portsmouth in, but again, it took a moment of, um, you, know, you don't want to go mad say genius, but it took a moment of really brilliant finishing from Harry Kane to actually separate the teams. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel it didn't feel like one of those games where Spurs were ever massively in danger, but obviously when it's as tight as that, and look, we saw what happened to Villa on Sunday, that actually, I mean, I was dipping in and out of that game. I flicked over a few times to see bits of it on Behind the Red Button on the BBC. It didn't feel that different. 
Like Villa were winning 1-0 for quite a long time. They scored earlier. But obviously, you know, Steven has got two late goals. And you do think like, well, actually, that could, you know, that could have been Spurs. Spurs could have, you know, if, if Portsmouth had equalised in the 88th minute, would Spurs have just completely messed the bed and, uh, and you know, and lost it? But now, I mean, look, you know, as boring as it was, it was a terrible game. I, th- I think the FA Cup has kind of opened up. I've got cup fever, Dan. Oh, well, you so see, you've got you've got North London derby yeah. fever. You've got you're you're absolutely febrile. My, my, my leg is that's, much better yeah. as well. So yeah. <laughs> oh well, that's good to hear. But look, if you look at if you look at it like this, so some good team. You know, Villa beat Spurs nine eight days ago. They're out. Newcastle have won against Spurs, and we know they're potentially the coming force in English football. They're out. Chelsea, who always beat Spurs, are out. Arsenal, or Man City, or Oxford are going to be out. <laughs> if Liverpool go to Wall, and I know Tim will be really annoyed about what happens at Anfield on Saturday night. If Liverpool get past Wolves at Molyneux, they'll then have to go to Brighton uh, and, and beat them. So two of those three teams will be out, and they would all be a threat. So it's like you look at it, and like there's every a lot of year good teams since 1991, I have seen the FA Cup open to Spurs and then go out in the fifth round, or they never go out in the quarterfinal. The fifth round, as in the last five years. Or the semi-final. Um, it, it, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And Tim, um, you're not expected to know this because you're 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 uh, been a Johnny come late to the Spurs thing. Um, obviously, the link between Spurs and Preston. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure about that. The reason the reason why Spurs wear a white shirt and blue shorts is because when they got into the football league for the first time, the champions of that competition were Preston. So Spurs adopted their kit, which is the reason why they wear all white in Europe. Uh, for Real Madrid. The only invincibles we recognise on this podcast. Proper invincibles, yeah. Proper, <laughs> proper invincibles. Um, uh, well, you know, the draw, that, 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 there have been worse draws than that. Deepdale won't be easy, but there have been a lot worse draws than that. Let's get at least one, one more question before the break on about uh, from, the, from the listeners. These are a couple of the, the issues brought up about Miss versus midfield and what, what can, constitutes a Conti midfielder. Matt in London says a new midfielder that is different to the current crop seems to be the immediate signing needed to better join up the midfield and attack. So what is a Conte attacking creative midfielder? An aggressive presser like SA or a passer like Madison? Paul Formey uh, says uh, we've got some um, Saar, Hoiberg, Skip, Basuma and Bentenker, all of whom do pretty much the same job. Bentenker being notably the better. Why are we not targeting a forward-thinking midfielder, even if it's just to come off the bench and change games. Um, Tim, you've watched Spurs uh, pretty in- intensively for the last six months. Um, th- what these people are asking, I think, is could, could we bear to carry a-, a creative midfielder in this system? Um, I-, I don't think Conte's convinced that they can, judging from who he's got. I think if he had Conte, like he did at Chelsea, he-, he might have a more attacking midfielder to go alongside them. But I'm not sure... Either of the ones they've got in those positions at the moment can, well, certainly no one could do a, a, a Kante type job. You know, there's no one that's quite mobile enough, I don't think, to do that. Um, I would say that Saar, I mean, it's only Portsmouth, but, I, you know, he's 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 certainly got the potential to be a more of an all-round box-to-box midfielder who can attack and defend. Um, you know, that's that's certainly the reason that they bought him. Um, I thought he was really good, actually, against Portsmouth and... Uh, Obviously, game state, you know, Portsmouth has sat deep, 27% possession. Saw, saw a lot of ball, uh, more than anyone on the pitch. And I thought he was pretty smart with it. It was quite a mature performance. You know, he didn't he didn't, he didn't rush his passes. Um, he protected the defence really well, Most more interceptions and tackles than anyone on the pitch. It was a real sort of all-action display. He's very physical. Uh, he's got a good shot on him, although we didn't see that the weekend. Um, I've got really high hopes for him, to be honest. And um, I hope we see more of him in the, in the coming weeks. 
Is the is the question, James? Um, not not um, do Spurs need an attacking, creative, passing, vision midfielder? But how you would get them into the system they play? Well, yeah, that is definitely the big question, isn't it? Because as Tim says, when you've got Angola Kante in there, it, it, that sort of is almost a bit of a cheat code uh, to use modern parlance because he's sort of two players, really, isn't he? The, the amount of energy that he brings to a game or brings to a midfield. So I guess he, he was playing with Fabregas, is that right? In sixteen seventeen, when they won the league? Yeah, I, it's kind of hard to recreate that balance without a player like Kante, as Tim says. So uh, it is really difficult to see how you get that player in a team. It is obvious that Spurs need at least one more player who can unpick the luck, or pick the luck, I should say. But yeah, I can only assume that if that happens, it's going to have to be this kind of Kulusevski backup that everyone's talking about, i.e. someone who's going to play mostly off the right, you would assume. Unless we're going to see a change in system to... Three, five, two. No, I think I think Conte continues to believe that the creativity is supposed to come particularly from the wing backs. And as we saw again against Portsmouth, at least you know Ryan Sessignon, who was a, an incredibly attacking footballer at Fulham, um, uh, he just I, I hate to say this about somebody because he he has talent and I don't. Um, is that is that he has the shape of a footballer and he's got a footballer's kit on. But nothing about his movements tells me that he knows how to play football anymore. I don't mean that he can't play. You know what I mean? He doesn't do anything that changes the game whatsoever. I don't know if I'm reading too much into his kind of natural facial expression, but I just think he looks he looks quite sort of sad and nervous quite a lot. And I don't. I mean, look, obviously this could be complete nonsense, and it's it's sort of bollocks to read loads into those kind of things. Sure, of course. But you do wonder whether. He has got like a, he's suffering from a lack of confidence. I wouldn't be surprised if his if his hamstrings are still troubling him, you know, because I know that that that's one of the reasons that you know he 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 didn't he didn't play in those friendlies, did he? Just after the World Cup, because it was still troubling him. If you remember, he was limping against Forest in the EFL Cup game, last game before the World Cup. I don't know the fact that he came off earlier um, at the weekend and Royale switched to the left makes me think that you know he can't do ninety minutes yet, and that it must be still troubling him because he does he doesn't he doesn't look like he's running at one hundred percent speed to me. I don't want to. I don't want to slaughter the guy. I, he's and I don't know how no, many I times. I don't know how many times. Um, no, I, I. I was being pretty harsh earlier on. I have said this about players at Spurs. I think there's a really good footballer in there, but it, somehow it's not getting to the surface. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. So you know, I, I see the reports, for instance, Spurs because they have a financial gain to be made if they go. You know, Marcus Edwards is being talked about from Sporting. I can't think of a less Conti-type player. Listen, we'll talk after the break. We'll talk about um, um, tra- fantasy transfers and um, the fantasy of having infinite money to spend on transfers. Much more coming up very soon. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, welcome back everybody from The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. Tim Spears and James Morgan Athletic are with me as well. Um, and we'll continue to try and answer some of the myriad questions that you posed for us. Um, when I asked for uh, questions on Twitter yesterday, I have to say... There weren't as many stupid ones like, why don't you stop supporting Spurs? We'll get onto that. We'll get onto Qatar in a minute. Um, very, very sensible questions. Thank you very much indeed for all of those. We'll try and get as uh, over the, you know, as the season goes on, we'll try and get as much of your input into the podcast as we can. Queenas puts this little fantasy into our heads. Levy gives Conti a hundred million pounds to spend in the window, but the proviso is. Ha ha ha, I'm thinking about Daniel doing this. The proviso is he can only buy two players. And Queen Ass's question is, which positions would they target with their £50 million players? James, I'll, I'll let you start this because I'm sure you've thought about this. If that happened, I'd be amazed if it wasn't a left-sided centre-back and a, and a right wing-back. And, and I think with that amount of money on those two players, I think you do pretty well, actually. Left-sided defenders are as an absolute premium yeah, because of the way people are playing. Me. Yeah, but they but they want them to play in a four. Don't get started again, Danny. Um, and right wing-backs, the, the problem is that the one that Spurs are interested in, um, Pedro Porro, is going to set off an inflationary spiral in that position. Um, nobody I speak to believes that he is worth the kind of money that uh, Sporting happily t- demanding for him, as Portuguese clubs do. Um uh, so we'd see. What about you, uh, Tim? If you were given a hundred million pounds spent on two players, where would you reinforce Tottenham? Definitely right wing back. I find it, I find it incredible that they haven't signed one. Uh, this has been going on a while now, hasn't it? It's nothing well, new. They signed several. Um, yeah, but no, 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 they haven't signed one for the first team. For I mean, I, I wrote a piece that Jack wrote last January, kind of saying this is the key position to strengthen in the summer. Someone's got to come in. Obviously, Jed Spence, you know, came in, but was never intended by Conte to be in the first team. Um, yeah, I mean, if 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 the Qataris can um, do a deal to get Hakimi from PSG, then that 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 do me because he was he was the best uh, right back at the World Cup, um, and also I guess if it's the if we're talking about the summer window here, then then goalkeeper because that's the next that's that's going to have to be targeted at some point. You know, Lloris, um dropped a few clangers this season uh, on the on 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 the way. Ever ever since I picked him up, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's 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 a massive position to target, and it's and it's a, a top class goalkeeper is not going to come cheap. All of this would be made more possible if Spurs had a vast amount of money to invest, and what a lovely, pleasant dream that would be. Which takes us to a story that um, started on Twitter about thirty six hours ago, where the uh, CBS journalist Ben Jacobs said the following: 
Exclusive, he says, with one of those red signs so you know it's important. Qatar Sports Investments are ramping up efforts to find another team to minority invest in this year. They're actively talking to EPL clubs, including Tottenham. Nasser Al-Khalafi met with the Spurs chairman Daniel Levy earlier this week to hold an exploratory meeting. Ben goes on to say it is very early stages and initial talks which took place in London a few days ago are just the start of QSI assessing all options and clubs. But they are expected to make ambitious multi-club investments in 2023. There have been no talks with Liverpool. First of all, let me say thank you very much the gods of football for vomiting once more um, in my in my lap. Um, I have spent the last 11 years banging on about the corruption of the World Cup in Qatar, fun though the tournament was. Um, and now my moral stance, etc., is going to be tested, apparently, by Spurs being taken up by the, by the Qataris. I mean, all sorts of questions here. Jordan Soller said, Would a potential minority stake in Spurs from Qatari sports investments be a sign that Enoch are lining up a full-scale sale in the near future? Um it w- and if so, would it taint any possible future success? A really generic user said, um, what would happen if we drew PSG in the Champions League? Surely they can't own two clubs in the same competition, even if one is a minority stake. Well, I think I can deal with the really generic user. You know, um, Red Bull have got Salzburg and, and others, you know, they uh, Leipzig, they've, you know, they, they, they will draw each other in these competitions. Um, they're allowed to own the clubs that provide they're in different leagues. All right, James, I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep my own moral quivering for a bit later. You're the Spurs fan here. Would you be happy for the Qatari Investment Fund to own all or any part of Spurs? I mean, if it was part, I'd be very curious to see how that looks in reality, like what the breakup of that was. And I think we know that, you know, that investment wouldn't just be happening, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts. It wouldn't just be, you know, an act of generosity. It would be about getting the name of Qatar out there. But no, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be keen for that to happen, let's put it that way. And like you, you know, I've kind of rallied against these things previously, possibly not quite as strongly or as uh, consistently. But yeah, I would be, I would find that incredibly difficult. Um, I, I wouldn't be interested in that. And I know a lot of people think that's mad, but it would certainly be something that would make me consider my status as a as a Spurs fan, or at least as a kind of active Spurs fan, let's say. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's difficult. I wouldn't... I wouldn't dream of speaking for the LGBTQ plus supporters of Tottenham Hotspur, um, but I can't imagine they would be very happy knowing what we know about the rules in Qatar. People will say, and they are saying on Twitter, all money is tainted, um, but some of it is more obviously and in your face tainted than others. I, I don't want to be put in a position, as I've increasingly been done, where I already don't like the business of football. I don't like the kind of people who own the clubs now. I don't like the way the clubs are owned. I don't like the way the clubs are organised. But I continue to hold my nose um, and and support those white shirts. Whether I continue, whether I'm holding your nose be enough. I mean, is if football is important. Spurs are really important to me. But they're only part of life, part of culture, part of politics, part of the world. Um, and you just, you don't need, uh, well, how else can we compete? Well, what are you competing for to be the most moneyed, corrupt club in the world? Also, look, the, look, the reality of it is like the more the more clubs that are, that are owned in this way, that having that amount of money pumped into them, very simply, the more clubs there are like that, the less value there is in being owned in that way. Because 
you know, if there's loads of money being pumped into Man- uh, to Manchester City, if loads of money being pumped into Newcastle, Manchester United are a kind of separate thing because they're making money hand over fist anyway. I don't know, you know, the way that club is run and the amount of money that's being spent on the football side of things uh, doesn't necessarily always reflect that, but fine, whatever. Um, Chelsea, TBC, how that's going to work out with the amount of money that's been put into that club, although the last two windows suggest there is still going to be quite a, amount, a decent amount of money put in. Although the pattern, the pattern, James, with American owners is they invest a load of money early on against their better knowledge because that's not what they do in their own sports. Um, and then the money gradually dries up because they believe well, we've got this squad now. Let's go out and win with it. Um, they, they, they were great believers in coaching, you know. I mean, that's kind of, that seems to be what Chelsea are, are doing, right? They're going out and buying a lot of young players, spending a lot of money on that as well. Um, I mean, they've been pretty explicit about that being the plan. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't imagine that level of spending will continue too often, for too long or, or happen too often. Um, but anyway, the point is, if all these clubs are owned by incredibly rich nation states or whatever else, then another one coming to the table is far less of a guarantee of success than it would have been, you know, had we be having this conversation in, say, 2001 or whatever. Yeah, that, no, no, that's 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 true. But then if... if... If you don't have that huge investment, then you're gonna you're gonna fall behind, aren't you? Because um, you know Newcastle will 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 overtake Spurs if they continue their levels of investment in the next sort of couple of years. Uh, Man United and Liverpool will get new owners soon, so I guess it kind of harks back to what we were talking about last week. What kind of what kind of club do Spurs want to be? Um, uh, Qatari investment in the Premier League feels pretty inevitable to me. Um, suggestion yeah is that they've spoken to a few Premier League clubs I heard suggestions that they were talking to Wolves a couple of months ago you know they, I, th- I think these kind of exploratory talks happen a lot and but they, they just don't Levy really come out Al-Khalifi to the public domain they're going to meet all the time they're both on the board of the European club system so they're going to meet all the time they don't have to have a formal meeting they're in the room with each other constantly yeah I guess um, Enoch and Levy you know would the morals of where the money's come from come into consideration I'd, I'd suggest not would would they take into account the opinions of fans? You know, you, you two have just spoken very, very strongly against that. Again, you know, the fact that they've flirted with the Super League and whatever, again, suggests not really. So I actually don't think it's going to ha- to happen. I, uh, who knows? But, uh, you know, these kind of kites get flown all the time. They certainly cause a rumpus on Twitter. Um, it looks like a complicated thing to do, particularly with the valuation that um, Levy and Lewis have on Tottenham Hotspur. There are probably better ways for the Qataris to get their advertising, if that's the right word, out there, uh, cheaper ways than, than buying into Tottenham Hotspur. We'll see what happens. Um, they haven't even managed to organise a deal to get the naming rights for the stadiums done yet, never mind um, getting huge investment into the club. Um, on it goes, actually. Um, I've lost track of where we are on the Bob Dylanometer, um, but Son, once again, I thought, ran into brick walls yesterday. That curling shot that he had is the sort of thing that last year was going in for him. This year is not, to his obvious frustration. Uh, Aaron Hanlon says, my eyes say that Kane isn't dropping as deep as much this year, while Son is uh, doing it more. Um, playing back to, to goal is not Sonny's strong suit, says Aaron. Um, is this right? Does it explain any of Son's struggles to find form? I've seen Perisic blamed, but it's actually Kane's positioning that has changed. And uh, Truls Larson said, Son's lack of goal scoring, a product of Conte's tactics, question mark. Um, I'll turn to you here, Tim, because you're the one who... Uh, and, and how Echelshare has got away with this. As Spurs have been playing so poorly, at least on, on the eye, 
um, for the first half of the season. It's you who've been forced to report on it. You watched them. Um, what do you make of Son's travails? What do you think is the... You know, we, we all assume because he's such a brilliant footballer, he's going to come back. So why has it gone so far away? I was actually brought in as a, as a specialist uh, in watching boring football um, because Wolves have been terrible for the previous two years. So I'm an expert in this. They're Danny. not hugely um, better now, are they, to be truthful? No, they're not. Um, Son, I do feel like um, this whole going behind for 10 matches in a row thing has definitely um, not helped him in particular because, you know, pretty basic... Obviously, the opposition will then sit deeper, and there's less space for him to get in behind. He does look, he does look like a confidence player to me. You can, you can actually see see on the pitch that he doesn't look as confident, you know. And and, and tossing away his eye mask against um, uh, Villa the other week was not, was you know not a good sign and belied and reflected his current sort of frustration. His numbers are down all all over the pitch. To be honest, it's not just goal scoring. He's actually having more shots than he ever has for Spurs, which I found surprising. Um, He's had more shots on target than he's ever had for Spurs. I think we've got to remember that he's massively sort of overperformed in the past few years, certainly on metrics and XG. Um, and he's reverted a little bit to the mean this season. Lack of creativity around him, apart from Kane, doesn't help. In principle, confidence. And I, 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 do, see, I do see it coming back. I do. He feels like a streaky player to me. And um, I think once you get Kulisevsky and Richarlison back, Maybe Richarlison as well was a bit of a factor because he felt a bit threatened at the start of the season. I don't know. That's I think he's supposed kind of to encourage play, him. Yeah, I think he's the kind of player. Want to know he's playing week in, week out. Maybe that's just my instinct. But I do think I do think it'll come back. But yeah, we've got to remember that um, he has massively overperformed. He, he, in recent he is seasons. undoubtedly a streak player. We we commented on this before on the podcast. He'll have a tear of seven games where where he scores eight goals and then he won't score for the next six. But this is a very very long um, streak. Uh, if that's what it is, what are you making of him, James? Imagine how many goals he's going to score in the second half of the oh, season. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Starting in the North London derby. Oh, well, hopefully, yeah. I've got two for Kane. How many for Son? I mean, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be five, Charles isn't it? Yeah. comeback goal, Kulisevsky's probably going to get one. Surely um, Benton Kerr will pop up with uh, one yeah. as well. Yeah. Look, I'm, with these things, it, it is normally... Uh, it's very rarely like just one factor. It's, all my, it's not almost always like the perfect storm, like a combination of all of those things that Tim has just mentioned, basically. And I do, you know, we talk about Conte's tactics potentially being a factor, but they played that system at least, or a very similar one last season as well, and he That's won the very Golden fair. That's So very I mean, fair. it has obviously changed slightly, and Perisic has come into the team, and he has played very differently to how Sessignon has played. And, and I do think this the, the, the game state thing is interesting because Son obviously, as we know, has scored so many goals when Spurs have been able to draw the opposition out and. Kane has played a through ball to Son to kind of run in behind. And when you're 1-0 down, or when the opposition are 1-0 up, they're far less inclined to push up the pitch in that way to try and get the ball back. So, And sure enough, you're 3-0 up at uh, Selhurst Park. Uh, Crystal Palace push up the pitch and Son's a uh, Kane's able to play a ball over the top that Son runs onto and scores a goal. So you, you do kind of think if they were... Uh, taking a game by the scruff of the neck more often that he might score a few more goals I mean it kind of seems obvious to say if the team were playing better and attacking more one of their attackers would score more goals but that is I do think it kind of boils down to that uh, but you're right I, I, he looks like a confidence player and, and I mean he's always been a streaky player as you say Danny and people get really annoyed by that and that doesn't mean he's not a good player but 
He's always been a player who scored seven in seven and then not scored for four or five games and then come back and got, you know, five in five and then not scored for four or five games. You know, his whole time at Spurs, he's been like that. Even last do you know, season. Do you know what? Like if, you, if you take about three strikers in the Premier League out, Kane being one of them, they're all streaky players. The game is very competitive. It probably is only Kane and Harland probably the only there two you in are. the Premier League now, aren't they? That wouldn't yep. you wouldn't say that about. Yeah, there you are. It, it, that, that is it. The issue for for Antonio Conte, I think, when Richarlison becomes fit, is suddenly you've got a sixty million pound forward who's had a very good World Cup, who can play from the left, who is an absolute workaholic. Um, how long can he afford to let you know? He knows that. Son is a superstar when he's going well. How long can he afford to let this drift on without letting Richarlison have a go in the in the first team? And that will be something we'll see in the, in the very near future. Anyone who's ever watched uh, any of these panel shows on television, um, you know, have I got news for you? All the rest of it. Um, they, you won't need me to know that they see the questions in advance so that they can have their witticisms prepared. I know this because I once. Um, I once did one of them, and uh, so I know this to be the case. Hang um, on, which one were you on? Call My Bluff. Oh, wow. Yeah, a long time ago, legendary program, and I was never asked back because I messed it up. Really, really messed it up. I was on a team with Sandy Tostvig um, and Stephanie Beecham, I seem to recall, um, and I got into a thing with the late Harry Carpenter, the sports commentator, which really annoyed the audience, almost entirely made up of blue-rinsed old ladies for whom Harry was both a hero and a sex symbol. Um, I took on Harry over something and I got it wrong. I messed up the game completely, was never asked back. Um, it, must be, it must be on YouTube somewhere. Um, I'm literally Googling it now, Danny. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, uh, but, so uh, this is unfair now because these things are always prepared. But um, final question then from the... Uh, from, from the listeners, left coast bias says, if Harry Kane was a car, we start with Harry, let's end with him, what kind of car would he be? I'm struggling with this because I don't know enough about cars. Are either of you car fans? No, definitely no. not. He'd be reliable, no. so he'd be, he's, he's reliable, isn't he? So he's Reliable. Like Volvo all, or a Volkswagen or something, right? I mean, no, better than that, though. He's all round, Does he does everything. Like a, a monster truck demolishes the opposition. Somebody, like somebody it's terrible. It's about, really, really bad. Somebody knew about cars. <laughs> somebody who knows about cars would, would would know the exact model of Mercedes that was both ultra reliable but capable of brilliant things on the right day. There's no uh, there's no way Jack knows about cars. Who reckon Charlie knows about cars? We're a very uncarry sort of uh, yeah, podcast. He doesn't seem like the kind of bloke who knows about cars. I mean, I've got a, a, a an old, um, I guess you'd call it a Jeep, um, and the other day I had to take it for its NCT, its MOT here in Ireland. Um, uh, the, my, my not being into cars, I think, was best demonstrated by its preparation for its MOT was I had to get the power washer, I had to take the algae off the outside of it. Um, it uh, developed a sheen of green algae. Um, so we're not car washers here. Sorry, um, left coast bias. I hope you. I bet you hope for something more creative than yeah. <laughs> than this. I really pro- probably did, probably what, what you didn't expect here was blokes going. Well, I've got a car to go from A to B, and, and that, well, Danny, that's the thing that guys like me and you are trendy London media professionals at heart, yeah. aren't we? So yeah. Well, you, you maybe, maybe not Tim. You've probably got a hang on. You've probably no, got. You've only lived in London for like six months. Yeah, but I am living in London. I'm a trendy media professional. Okay, so. Uh, so let me ask you: Have you got one of those electric scooters, then, Tim? No, I get the 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 London Underground. Do you do you like the Underground? Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah. Um, James, if you've got a car, you probably don't need one where you live. No, no, I can't no. drive. Oh, that's very interesting. No, I'm a tra- I wasn't joking. I'm a trendy London inner city media professional. Yeah, so you've never learned to drive? No. Okay. Oh, no. Well, I care about the environment. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that. You might well be. You might well be um, as a, 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 a absolute green green warrior. Oh no! I mean, let's be honest. Let's go back to uh, when I was your age. I didn't learn to drive either. For the same reason, I lived in central London, um, and the only reason I had to learn to drive was when I was um, being headhunted by one music publication to leave the one I was on. Wait for this. I was being headhunted, and we went to the meeting, and I was laying out the, what I would require to make the jump. And it suddenly occurred to me to say, and I need a company car. And so they agreed. Then I realized I couldn't drive. I had to learn to drive before I moved from one company to another. Otherwise, it looked very odd indeed. Listen, thank you both. Um, and thank you all for the questions you put in. We're going to be putting out more of these sort of Twitter requests. Keep your uh, your, your views coming. You, know, you can shout at us on Twitter anytime you like. Remember, if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, then what are you doing? You're sleepwalking. You can sign up to read all of the fantastic Spurs coverage, um, as well as everything else on the site. There's just an awful lot of it. Uh, just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. Bargain. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday when we will be um, like people, uh, children waiting for an an episode of Doctor Who. We'll be previewing the North London Derby from behind our hands. The Athletic.